some fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Hey guys, welcome to episode 279 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, we got a fun show that's going to make you happy tonight. Thank you, Lord. So it's the exact opposite of like the, since I threw the crew, uh, true crime stuff on you last week, now I'm throwing the uh, the inspirational stuff on Yay. you this week. I love that more. Obviously, first we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thanks to all of you men, women, and service animals for everything you do every day that you're out there. Absolutely. We love you guys. We're praying for you and hoping you guys can come home for the holidays, some of you at least, and just want to thank you for watching over us. All right. You mentioned the holidays, which is, like I said, and this would be a theme because I'll, I'll bring it up every week uh, until the holidays are over. This is the toughest time of the year for people who are suffering from depression. Even people who don't suffer on a regular basis suffer during the holiday months. And it it's, makes sense. I mean, you've got loved ones that are no longer with you that, you know, sometimes this is your first holiday without them. Or it just may be a situation where the holidays remind you of somebody that's not here anymore. It doesn't matter if it's your first or 30th mm-hmm. holiday without them. So just keep that in mind as you talk to your friends and neighbors. And just know that if if they've had a recent loss in their family that maybe you want to try to give them a little extra attention this year, check up on them a little a little more than normal because they may be going through some stuff that they haven't shared with you. Absolutely. Send them a Christmas card. Reach out to them. You know, invite them for Christmas dinner or anything like that. Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, those little things will mean the world to them. So, you know, you always have the group to reach out to. Our, Jerry and I will always be there for you. And you can also call the hotline number at 800-273-8255. You can also text them at 741-741. But don't be alone. We're here for you. Yep. We're recording this episode a little bit earlier because we're going to be at CryptidCon this weekend. Mm-hmm. So by the time this comes out, CryptidCon will be over and hopefully we get to see a bunch of you. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Tracy, for years, and I mean years, people have asked us to do an episode on angels. Yay. Now, we did the Cokeville Miracle episode that, uh, if you remember, it talked about the bombing at the school up in uh, Wyoming where there were, the only casualties were the husband and wife that brought the bomb in, even though there was close to 140 people in that small room, they were the only casualties. Yep. And it's in that case, amazing. yep. And in that case, that's the students had several different stories of angels showing up to kind of keep them mm-hmm. safe. So I wanted to do an episode with several different instances of people being helped by angels. So that led me down a rabbit hole of different types of angels. Because we most people don't really think of it. They think angels and they lump them all together. Obviously, you've got like archangels and like Michael and mm-hmm. Gabriel and all that that I've learned from uh, Supernatural. Um, <laughs> but there are several different types of angels. For this episode, though, we're going to focus on the two that really seem to fit the topics today. So as far as angels that I would say help people, the two main categories are guiding angels and guardian angels. Now, in a nutshell, a guardian angel watches over you for your entire life. Nice. A guiding angel is one who comes to guide you, and they may not stay with you for your entire journey. They might just be a split instance, might be for a period of time that you're going Mm -hmm. through something in life, whatever the case may be. Now, that's not to say that your guardian angel cannot also lead you because they can if you ask. Why would you? What? Why would you ask? They'll help you if you ask. Oh, I thought you said 
They'll leave you if you ask them to leave no, you. That's that, what I thought you said. I'm like, why in the world did you ask that? <laughs> no, lead you. I lead, lead you. Okay. Lead I thought you, you said leave. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> In most cases of guardian angels, it's a former friend or relative. And that came mm-hmm. up a lot in the, in the Cokeville miracle case. People was like, hey, this is, uh, I saw my great grandma. And some people didn't even know who they were seeing until they saw a picture of them and realized it was a grandmother they never oh, met. My God. That, that just, that's deal. so amazing. So the next question is, can a person, whether you believe or not, feel the presence of a guardian angel? And the answer to that, that I've found more often than not, is yes. Even if you don't believe, you can feel certain times where you just know somebody's there helping you. It does depend on the person's um telepathic communication mode every everybody's got a little different way of communicating telepathically some mm-hmm. people don't at all other people's very little and some people are very open to communicating like that the problem is that most people don't trust what they hear or they see which is why angels tend to send signs in like synchronicities thus the finding dimes mm-hmm. when you know you're finding a loved one or Hey, it's funny. Uh, I keep seeing all these weird little signs that just lead me to believe that's angels. There, that's according to what I was reading. That's angels' ways of communicating is giving you little signs instead of just telling you straight to your ear. Well, you know that kind of happened the other day at thanks. Well, our early Thanksgiving had with the kids. Remember, Dad's plant kept falling, or was it Mom's? No, Mom's plant kept mm-hmm. falling over, and it's never done that before, like three or four times in a row. And then Jerry finally went and fixed it where it would stay now this this plant i've had ever since she passed away yes we've had this for oh my gosh for five years yeah i mean i can't even believe it's still alive because if you know me and plants it just that don't happen but it's still alive yeah tracy's got a black thumb yeah for real (laughs) but this thing is still thriving it still has you know blooms that come out on it so we finally got it fixed the other day and Kristen, i don't even know if you knew this or not Walked over where the plant was, and she found a dime. Oh, no, I didn't know that. She picked it up and just looked at me like, oh, my gosh, that really was her. You know, she was, just, she was like, freaking out. Yeah, I don't, I didn't know if you knew or not, but there was a dime right there by her plant. So I'm like, oh, Mom's here, you know, with us at Thanksgiving. So it was really nice. But they, the angels leave you these signs and stuff to help establish confidence that they're actually there. Mm-hmm. Like that. It's a, it's a perfect example mm-hmm. without me saying that sentence. There was some thought that maybe because of the plant, there was something there. And then you find the dime and Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, that now I believe for sure. And that's exactly what that's talking about. Yeah, that's great. People from all over the world have had uh, reported encounters with mysterious beings that are thought to be angels. In most cases, these beings, they bring us important messages or they give assistance in times of need. And then they just vanish. Could these beings be angels? Sometimes they're miraculous, or they're in the form of unanswered prayers. These remarkable events give comfort, strength, faith, and sometimes even save lives. So let's talk about some of these encounters. And I got a bunch of them. Okay. And I try to pick stories that are all over the map. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't really have a lot of, oh my God, eye-dropping, I can't believe. But you mean a- jaw-dropping? <laughs> huh? You said eye-dropping. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god his eyes popped out <laughs> well i don't have any of those either for the record <laughs> but <laughs> but what i do have are stories that i thought some of them are really cool but some of them i think are more relatable to mm-hmm. everyday things yeah so I, that's why i kind of chose them now i did want to mention that we've got special guests on the show tonight we've got sam and amanda from Crime, Phenomenon, and Beyond. Ooh. We actually met met them twice mm-hmm. within a period of, of three or four weeks. Yeah. We met them at a haunted house in Louisville. We uh-huh. went to Media Night, and then we ran into them again at, at Scarefest. Yeah. And uh, they've had their show for about a year, and I thought it would be fun to get them on, so we did a little interview that'll be on at the end, and they tell us some of their stories, but they're yeah. they're very fun. They, they go by the Beyond duo. Ooh, I like it. So, yeah, me too. All right. These encounters. The first story is from Jackie. She thinks that her guardian angel came to help her not once, but two times. 
In both cases, it helped her to avoid serious injuries. And in her case, she said she physically felt and heard what she believes was angels. She was young at the time. Both of these incidents happened around kindergarten age. God, how she remember kindergarten? I don't. And that's like, what, six, seven? Mm. I remember when I was six and seven. Okay, I'm happy for you because I don't. <laughs> well, how would you? You didn't know me then. <laughs> You're stupid. The first incident <laughs> happened when she was sledding on a real popular sledding hill, okay? She was enjoying a snowy day with her family. They're all out there. They're having a good time. She closes her eyes and she starts sliding down the very steepest part of this hill. On the way down, she hit another sledder. Why would she close her eyes? Well, she's a kid. She's probably scared. She probably thought it was fun. Uh, Wouldn't you want to see where you're going? Well, it's not like you really can affect it if you're going down in your sled. You're either going to go or you're not going to go. Oh, that's true. Can't really control it. So on the way down, she hits another sledder. Well, this causes her to start spinning out of control. She's heading straight for a metal guardrail at a high rate of speed. Oh, my gosh. She said she was scared and she had absolutely no way to stop this impending collision. It was at that point that she felt something push her chest down. And she said she stopped, but came within a half inch from hitting the guardrail. I mean, couldn't she break Flintstone it? Well, she's probably laying down. I mean, yeah, but... Were you going to get up like you're surfing? No, I'm talking about putting her feet down and trying to... I don't know what kind of sled she was on. She might have just been on one of those little round disc things or something. Like Chevy Chase had. (sighs) Boy, that was... God, she was so lucky. She said that she could have lost her nose. Her nose? She could have lost her whole head. Yeah, but I guess her (laughs) nose... That's true. But then you would be still losing your nose, so... Oh. (laughs) Anyway, she said that she felt like her angel stepped in there. And kept her from hitting it. Because she stopped literally on ice or snow. Oh, gosh. Could you imagine just coming to that that short of a distance from hitting that thing when you were going fast? Something had to slow her up. Yeah, that's amazing. Her second experience happened at school. And uh, she was in class and her class was celebrating her birthday that Mm -hmm. day. Yay. She was given a a crown to wear because it was her birthday. how sweet. And at one point in time, they're out on the playground. And she ran across the playground to to put her crown on a bench. As she started running back, three boys tripped her. Oh, no. The playground, like most playgrounds, was filled with metal objects and wood chips. I remember that well. After the trip, Jackie says she was sent flying through the air. She felt something hit just below her eye. And she said then she felt something pull her back. When she fell. The teachers said that they saw her sort of flying forward and then fly back before she hit the ground. As they rushed her to the nurse's office, Jackie heard an unfamiliar voice keep telling her, don't worry, I'm here. God doesn't want anything to happen to his baby. He's probably saying, damn, girl, would you quit getting into trouble so I can come down here and save you? Tired of keeping these angels on overtime. <laughs> well, and that is the sweetest thing. Oh, wow. What's her heart? She's pretty accident prone, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was just sledding, first of all. So that really... I know, but like, I mean, how big, was her, how big was her, her. nose? <laughs> what? How big's her nose? Oh, you said... <laughs> we get off the nose. All right, this next one is anonymous. You know, that happened to me. You were anonymous at one point? No. Like, our playground was like that, but we didn't have wood chips. We had, like, gravel. Like, pea gravel. Nobody had gravel. What kind of screwed up school were you at? I'm telling you. I swear that's what we had. And a boy tripped me, and I fell. And I think I still got the rocks in my knee today from where they dug down, and they couldn't get them out without doing surgery. I mean, that means, you know what the moral of the story is? Boys are mean. Don't grow up in Grant County? No, boys are mean. All right. This one's anonymous. This was the day before this young lady was to start her junior year of high school. It was an absolutely beautiful day outside, but she was too busy feeling sorry for herself to even notice. Her family didn't have much money, and as a matter of fact, she gave any money that she had made babysitting or doing odd jobs to her parents just to help out. Oh, how sweet. Just once, 
she would like to have a new dress for the first day of school. She was pacing around her room, feeling depressed, when she heard a voice say, Why do you fret so? Remember the lilies of the field? Are you not more important than they? She answered yes. Then she said she was overcome with a feeling of peace and happiness. A few minutes later, she heard her car pull into the driveway and a lady started talking to her mother. After the woman drove off, her mother called her downstairs. The woman had brought a bag of clothes. She had told the, the girl's mother that she brought these clothes for her daughter, but her daughter didn't like them. She was going to just throw them away, but then she had an overpowering urge to bring the clothes to this house, a house that she had never been to before. Inside the bag were five brand new dresses. Ah. They still had the tags on them. They never saw this woman again. And even more strange is the, the young girl that lived here at this house was very short. She usually had to hem every dress that she bought. I feel you, sister. These dresses were exactly her size and the right color for her complexion. No oh, hemming required. Oh, yay! I love this. Christy said she had an experience in the summer of 1997. She had bought her daughter, Sarah, a new twin mattress for her bunk bed. Christy had taken the, the new mattress upstairs, and she was attempting to bring the old one downstairs. Their stairs could be hazardous, so she kept saying to herself, be careful. Now, this carefulness was because her husband was disabled, and he hadn't worked for over four years, and without her income, they would probably be in the streets. Mm. Therefore, fall down the steps could be disastrous on many different levels. She should have just rode the mattress down. That's what I would have done. That's and what I'm saying. And have. As she started to move the old mattress, she slipped and lost her footing and began to fall. Thousands of thoughts just went straight through her, her mind. What will happen if she breaks a leg or even worse? She said, please, dear God, help me. Send me an angel. She felt two strong masculine arms grab her underneath her arms and pull her up. And then she felt a second set of hands grab her ankles and push her back up the stairs. She said when she gathered herself, she looked down to find that the mattress was at the bottom of the stairs and placed neatly upright against the wall. Oh, wow. She went outside and she asked her husband if he'd been in the house. He said no, and even if, even if he had been, he doesn't have two sets of arms. Oh. Christie's brother says that he can actually channel angels, and he said that the one that grabbed her underneath her arms was the angel, Archangel Michael, and the one who grabbed her ankles was Uriel. Oh, my gosh. I want my angel to be Castiel from Yeah. Supernatural. Me too. How amazing is that? Oh, this makes my heart so happy. I like all these stories. I love them. Myrna was shopping at a local department store with her one-year-old infant. And she was actually looking at some products up on the shelf, you know, like, you know, the baby beside her in the shopping cart. A computer hutch fell from a desk and struck the baby's <gasps> head. Oh, my God. The hutch bounced off his head and landed loudly next to the cart that he was in. Myrna said that she, she watched in horror as the blow violently snapped her child's head back. The baby was dazed for a moment and then started crying out in pain. Myrna didn't know what to do exactly because she was stunned and she wasn't sure how bad he was hurt. I'm surprised it didn't kill the poor thing. She said she knew that there wasn't any blood, but, you know, what about a concussion or internal damage yeah, that she had course. no way of seeing? She stood there consoling the baby, hoping he was okay at a time that an elderly African-American gentleman tapped her on the shoulder. He was wearing a brown raincoat and hat, and he had a Bible tucked under his arm. He asked Myrna if he could pray for the baby. She quietly nodded her head, and he placed his hand on the baby's head and prayed quietly for a few minutes. She couldn't understand what he was saying. He kind of whispered. Mm -hmm. She said when he was through, her son stopped crying. She gave her son a big hug 
and she turned around to thank the gentleman, but he was nowhere to be found. She quickly searched all of the aisles, but she could not find him anywhere. He was completely gone as if he had vanished into thin air. She had her son x-rayed, and he was completely fine, but she gives all the credit to her guardian angel in the store that day. Yeah, well, God bless him. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Dan tells about a time where she was four years old. Her father was an over-the-road trucker, and her mom was uh, frequently raising both her six-year-old brother, Jerry, and her by herself. Dan's mother took a night job to try to help make ends meet, and that meant she was going to need a babysitter. Mm-hmm. The first night that her mother had to go to work, she, she hated to leave, but this was what had to be done. Now, she brings in the babysitter to watch the kids. She introduces them, obviously, to the children. Deanne says she don't remember the babysitter's name because she really wasn't there long enough before she forced them upstairs, her and her brother, to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, they were like any other kids. They sat up there awake and listening, more curious about what was going on downstairs than what was going on upstairs. So the babysitter's boyfriend came over, and shortly after, the babysitter left with her boyfriend, leaving the children alone. What in the world? Deanne said she was scared to death, and her brother tried to comfort her after she started crying. She remembers the six-year-old turning on the hall light for her to just try to give her some kind of comfort. Mm-hmm. And he said that, don't worry, that mom would be home soon, but she was still terrified. As she lay in the bed looking down the hallway, her mother appeared in the doorway. She walked over to the bed, she said something smoothing, she didn't remember exactly what it was, but she said something that put her at ease. She took her in her arms and she rocked her to sleep. She remembers feeling safe in her mother's arms. The next morning when she woke up, she could hear some rattling going on in the kitchen. Dan went downstairs and was greeted by the usual good morning sunshine from her mother. Then her mother asked, where's the babysitter? Dan said she left with a boyfriend. Then she said, I'm so glad that you came home last night when I was so scared. Her mother's eyes got really big and she replied, I just now got home. Stop. Whoa. So Deanne wonders who rocked her to sleep that night, and she often thinks if that was her guardian angel taking on the appearance of her mother to kind of calm her down because she knew that's the only thing that would have calmed her down Yeah, was her mom. And she says that many times over the years that she's felt the presence of what she believes to be a guardian angel, but this was the only time that had taken the, the appearance of her mother. Wow. All right, this next story. Debbie was admitted to the hospital in 1994. She had acute pain from a fibroid tumor that was the size of a grapefruit in her uterus. Damn, that's big. Yep. The surgery was a success, but it was complicated when she was given some drugs that she had an allergic reaction to. She was already in horrible pain, and then she had the allergic reaction to the morphine that was given to her. The doctor tried to counteract it with some other medications, and this made a bad experience even worse. Mm. She was eventually able to fall asleep for a few hours. When she awoke in the middle of the night, the clock said 2.45 a.m. Then she heard somebody reading aloud from a Bible. Debbie looked at the woman, and she asked her, Am I all right? Why are you here with me? She said the woman stopped reading, but never looked up. She simply said, I was sent here to make sure you'd be all right, and you're going to be fine. Then the lady said, now you should get some rest and go back to sleep. She then began reading again as Debbie drifted back off to sleep. The next morning, she explained the experience to her doctor, and the doctor checked with the staff, and they said that no one had visited Debbie during the night before. Debbie asked the nurses herself, because she knew someone had been in her room, to which she was informed by the nurses that she had no visitors at all. Well, there you go. Debbie believes that this was her guardian angel. Coincidentally, that time on the clock when she woke up, 2.45, mm-hmm. has the exact time recorded on her birth certificate. Oh. How about that? That's cool. 
Reed was climbing a 30-foot cliff. The face of the cliff was mostly shell rock with plenty of handholds. Two-thirds of the way up, his left handhold broke free as he was reaching with his right hand. He began to fall backwards. He described it as that feeling when you lean back in a chair just a little bit too far Mm -hmm. and you start to tilt. That's what it felt like. He said as he started to fall backward, everything got real slow. He knew he was going to die or at least be seriously injured. He said he suddenly felt a hand gently press against his back right between his shoulder blades. He said it felt like a perfectly normal hand and it pushed him back against the rock face. It took him a couple of minutes for him to steady himself. He was pretty shaken up, but then he climbed down to safety. Reed says that he will probably never know what happened that day, but he's very thankful that he did not fall. Well, that is very lucky. How do you now? How do you explain that? Think about that. You're on a side of a cliff, basically. Yeah. You lose your grip. You don't have either hand. Nope. For grabbing onto something, how are you able to somehow manage to be back on that rock that's basically straight up yeah, and down? There's no other answer except for that. Lucky, lucky man. Here's the next story. Matt says that one time he was uh, driving in whiteout snow. You know how that no, We've goes. done that. Yes. It was awful. He said anyone that's ever driven in that kind of weather knows that you can get somewhat hypnotized by the snow. He dozed off, and then he heard someone calling him by his nickname. He woke up and was on the other side of the road, about to slam into an oncoming car. He was able to move in time, but Matt says that he thinks that this was his godfather who had passed away recently. All right, this is our last story. Okay. Johnny said that he and a friend were sitting at a traffic light late one night when the car stalled. He tried to get it started several different times. He and his buddy jumped out to push it into the gas station that was right next door to where the car died. Mm -hmm. He said the car was on an incline and they were struggling to push the car uphill. At that time, a man came jogging out of nowhere. Keep in mind, this is in the middle of the night. This guy's jogging. Mm. Like, that's not strange enough. This guy comes jogging up in the middle of nowhere and he helps push the car into the gas station. As they turn and start thinking the man, a car came speeding around the curve and blew through the intersection that they had just been stalled in. He said if that guy hadn't shown up what he did, we probably would have been killed because we were outside of the car car Mm -hmm. and this car would have crashed right into where we were standing and pushing the car. He said we turned back around after the car blew through. And the man was completely gone. He just disappeared in the thin air. But they both believe that that man was sent there to push them out of harm's way. Oh, for sure. For sure. So how's that for fun stories? I like those. Real good stories. All right. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. And then we're going to be back. We're going to talk to Sam and Amanda. You guys are going to love these these, uh, ladies. They have a very fun show. They have great personalities. So... Fantastic. And then uh, Tracy's going to tell us a little bit about some other stuff. And we'll give you some uh, just housekeeping news. All right. All right. So quick housekeeping. We have already started selling tickets. So if you're looking for a good gift idea, our live shows that have already been announced. Obviously, we've got the cruise. We've got Louisville. We've got Indianapolis. We're still working on. I thought we'd have an answer by now, but uh, it's it's taking a little bit longer. But we're we're doing Indianapolis in July. We just don't know where yet. And obviously, we've got Bobby Mackey's that are up, and we've got our six year anniversary show at the old hospital on College Hill in West Virginia. All those tickets and including the cruise are available on our website, along with any shirts that you might need to wear to set events and my book. So if you're looking for a good Christmas idea and you want to to give a book to somebody if you go to our website and get it i'll personalize it and send it out to you and if you can uh if you want to order it from amazon that's fine too but uh, it won't be signed because i don't have any way of getting to that warehouse (laughs) nice and about (laughs) (laughs) tracy what do you got over there 
This week for iTunes, we have Old Faithful Mojo Lobster, Rob Magner, and GeoBuck13. Thank you guys for your reviews. I know we still have a couple days left to get those in, but since we're recording early. Um, and our Patreon is Christy Hill. Thank you, sweetheart, for your support. We appreciate you and so glad to have you back. Um, also, thank you guys for your reviews. They are amazing, as always, and we can't thank you guys enough for taking your time out to do that. And Christy Hill is also a new admin in our group. Oh, awesome. So now we have nine admins. Wow, I did not know that. That just happened yesterday. Oh, cool. Well, welcome aboard. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, everything you do for us. We really appreciate it. Now let's listen to Sam and Amanda. And uh, like I said, I think you guys are going to enjoy them. And go give their show a listen. You'll have fun. Hey, guys, I've got some special guests on, on the air with us. And... This actually came as a surprise because most of the time when we have guests on, it's somebody that we already know or uh, we meet through friends. And we actually got a chance to meet these young ladies when we uh, went down to American Horrorplex, which is a haunted attraction in Louisville. And we just happened to run into them. They, they were checking in to check out the place on media night the same night we were. And uh, we talked a little bit and then we ran into them at Scarefest. This is uh, the Beyond Duo, Amanda and Samantha from crime phenomenon and beyond ladies thanks for coming on thank you for having us thank you so much we really appreciate it yes so you guys cover a little bit of everything tell me if you we'll start with you sam if 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 i had to say describe the show in a nutshell for somebody who hasn't heard it how would you describe it well on tuesdays we do true crime stories so it's true crime tuesday and then on fridays we call freaky friday so we can do paranormal mysteries um legendary creatures i mean it's just kind of all over just weird yeah anything that's not normal (laughs) is for fridays (laughs) right so amanda what do you what would you say is the key to your show what sets your show apart from other shows that are that are you know true crime or or strange and eerie based that's a good question i think maybe I think it's us. It's, it is <laughs> us. And it's that we tell the story, but yet we th- like tell it from our point of views, really, and kind of, you know, commentate through the whole thing, you know, right. kind of like you get the facts, you get how we feel about the facts. Yeah. And then you will more than likely get more than enough sarcasm and wit about <laughs> such facts. <Yeah. laughs> we usually learn from each other on yeah. these things. <laughs> So who does most of the research? Is it pretty even? Is it Does one do research and one tell? How does the show uh, come about each week? So I promised Amanda since, you know, this was, you know, my whole idea. And she really was like, hey, I'm going to come along with you, which is what I need is just somebody to, I guess, was like, yeah, talk to me. Tell me everything. So the I do. All- exactly. Were, yes. I just. I don't want to laugh at myself. And I was like, Sammy, I will laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do the research and stuff. And I basically teach Amanda because I'm a registered nurse. So teaching is a huge thing of, you know, what I do anyway. So it's just normal for me to just talk and teach her and her be right. like, what? Wow. Or, and we do. Oh. We, go, we go on tangents about yes. some of the medical things that happen <laughs> in some of these cases. Yes. <laughs> How do you guys know each other? Well, so my best friend in high school ended up, her brother ended up marrying Amanda. And then they were both in the service. And when they moved back to Kentucky, me and her got close. So... Mm-hmm. We just yeah, kind of we, stuck it out. Was it back in 2009, maybe? Uh, 2008. We were both pregnant with our first babies. Yeah, we so. But thank you for your service. Oh, it, it, it did more for me than I did for it. <laughs> but thank you. you know, everybody who listens to this show knows that's how we start off every show, thanking our military and civil servants out there. So it's uh, it's it's always an honor for us to be able to bring on our, our uh civil servants or military and 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 actually have them be a part of the show so we appreciate that yeah and it is oh god sorry no go ahead i said i mean it's also very helpful because you know a lot of our true crime people were in the military and stuff and they kind of go that way and i mean for amanda to kind of share her experience like you know how she 
how it really straightened her up and everything. So it, it really helps, you know, for people to understand like people, you know, with those mental, you know, issues and stuff going into the service, you know, trying to straighten it out and how, you know, things don't work out for them, but yet she can say how it works out for her and a lot of other people too. What about as far as, you know, the, you guys have been doing this now for about eight months or so. You've got 20, 27, 28 episodes out. So you've covered a lot. So we'll start with you, Amanda. What's one of your favorite topics that you guys have covered so far? Oh, my goodness. I I love supernatural stuff. I, I love ghost stories and all of that, anything that has to do with that, which is kind of hilarious. I'm the one that loves it. Sam over here is not a fan, but she's got... <laughs> He's kind of got her own ghost story that she lives every day. So we actually, like, I wanted to do a podcast to talk about my experiences. So then when we started it and I looked into paranormal stuff, I got freaked out. So I was like, I kind of wanted to step back from paranormal, but we'll throw some in there. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we talk about, we talk about, we talk about it (laughs) on the podcast because she's got a, uh, it's like a, what we think is a young boy spirit that has attached itself to her and it's followed her through multiple homes and basically for the length of our friendship. (laughs) So maybe you brought it to her. (laughs) Oh man. Maybe. No, Uh, no, it, it, it was crazy. Like we talked a little bit, I have an episode or two that I talk about, we call him Hank and I talk about him in there too and kind of say like how it started out and everything and kind of how it's evolved and everything. So you have a an assumption on how Hank became attached to you? I, so it started when in 2010. No, I lied. 2011, we had the very first night we moved into a new apartment. It was me, my husband, and our little boy. And then her ex-sister-in-law, Brittany, my best friend, how I met her, was staying with us. And that very first night, everything started happening. And from there, it's followed us to four different houses. And um, we didn't think anything crazy was happening until our little boy, who was 10 months old at the time, turned to two. And then he started telling me that the little boy was playing with his toys in his bedroom. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Just a little unnerving. Just a little. (laughs) It was fun having, hey, mommy, little boys come to sit by you. No, thank you. I ain't getting it. <laughs> so out of all the topics you guys have, have covered on the show, what Samantha, what is the, 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 is there any one that stands out that just like, Oh my God, this was my, my favorite. Yes. It is our very first episode. It was Ed Gein and I've always loved, you know, Leatherface and stuff and Chainsaw Massacre and us covering that story. I think it was like, a great opener just to how we're going to tell stuff and how me and her are going to react to it. Because I there mean, were just so many facts and so many things that just kept coming out that you weren't aware. We, we were surprised to dive into it. And it was like, Oh my gosh, this, this dude was, he was nuts. <laughs> yes. I mean, on most of our episodes that we do now, we almost always come back to mention Ed Dean. We're like, oh, this was his style. This exactly. this is what it could have been in Ed's house. <laughs> I wish Ed was still around because I'm uh, needing a new lamp for the podcast room. And I really think <laughs> he could probably do exactly what I'm looking for. He was into making some nifty nipple. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Way to track your weight loss. I'm down three nipples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there a story other than Ed? Is there a story that you guys have done that it just completely shocked you as opposed to what you learned as to what you thought you were going to get going into it? I know I was that way with Albert Fish. There was just, you know, you knew Albert Fish had a horrible uh, past and you knew some of the stuff. But as you start digging into uh, Albert Fish, you start realizing more and more just craziness that goes on. Is there a story like that for you guys? Mine was probably Night Stalker. Um, to hear about his um childhood and then you know kind of how every male figure in his life kind of failed him and just made 
you know, his mentality 10 times worse. And then the fact that he, everything he did and he was, you know, arrested and stuff at such a young age. Oh, I yeah. mean, it was just insane. Like, I I didn't expect him to do that many, like, gruesome things as he's did. Same with BTK as well. That one really got yeah. me because he he was he was dumb. Like he literally was clueless. And I mean, he could have been caught so many different times. So and many he evaded the law. It's <laughs> baffling. It it's amazing. I I was dumbfounded with how dumb he could be. Yeah, I think the Richard Ramirez deal. I think what always uh, stood out to me was how he could just lay in somebody's house and just wait. Yes, that's yes. spooky to think that. There could be, you know, you just come in your house every night, you know, for work or whatever. And then to think that there could possibly be somebody that's been waiting in there for, you know, hours for you to come yeah. in. But, you know, yes. and then, like I said, I, was it his uncle that was in the military or whatever that was telling him all those horror stories it, and stuff when he was young? And and that's not, the, you know, you don't want to have these stories of killing people in a war and stuff as as you're in your developmental ages. But that's. Especially if he already probably had a few issues to begin with. Well, and he also showed him pictures of like Vietnamese women that he like would torture and decapitate and stuff. And I mean, it's just like reading a magazine to him. It's just kind of what he grew up saying. Oh, this is normal. This is what we do. Yeah, and then like you said, there's just so many, so many different serial killers and stuff out there that BTK, BTK just. Like you said, he was dumb. He, uh, he, you know, and 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 to be putting all this stuff on like the church computers and all this stuff, it's just amazing. It, I loved it. It was like, hey, can I send a floppy disk or can you trace that? They're like, no, go ahead and send it. So he did. He sends it, and they catch him. I love it. <laughs> I know. I felt bad for his daughter. Uh, I saw her on the Doctor Phil show talking about because she was a true daddy's girl and Mm -hmm. you know to find out all this stuff so you know so many years and and, i mean i couldn't imagine being like in my late 20s or early 30s and you know my dad's walked me down the aisle and all that stuff and then you find out he's done all these horrible things over the years yeah i can't imagine how that would you know kind of really stain every good memory you've ever had yeah you know, it's just like, it's like, you know, you want to love him and you want to be accepting of it. But at the same time, while he's doing all these fatherly, wonderful things to you, he's committing these absolutely atrocious crimes. Like he, he's, he's a monster. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So who is your favorite serial killer? And I'm, I say that in a loving way. Not that, not that I really idolize Jeffrey Dahmer, but um, you know, I wish he had a cookbook or, you know, whatever. That's not really what I'm talking about. <laughs> It, it's it's more who fascinates you because I know you're both probably gonna say Ed Gein. So we'll we'll say besides Ed Gein, who would be your most fascinating serial killer? Mine has always and same like you. Like I, it's weird. I'm like, oh, my favorite serial killer, which I probably shouldn't say because that's kind of weird. But <laughs> it's Charles Manson. I mean, the fact that oh, he's a good one. he just the mind control that he had over those people and how even like up until his death, the way that he just, you know, controlled all these people. And I mean, it just, I don't know. It just, my boggles me that he was like that powerful. Definitely kind of, kind of freaky. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I mean, he committed a few murders, but the rest, he just put an idea into his followers head and they did it. Yeah. And just did everything. Unquestioning. Yeah. Went for it, full force. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's the thing about the human mind. If you're in a uh, a patch to where you're unsure of yourself and you're looking for something, you will mm-hmm. latch on to people like that. I mean, because when it comes to any any cult, it doesn't matter if it was uh, what's his name uh, Applewhite. It doesn't matter if it was Jim Jones or Charles Manson. Uh, or even uh, uh, David Koresh, the, these people find a following somehow, some way that will completely believe anything that they say and go to battle for them. And right. it's amazing. It, I, you a tiny know. bit of attention or something that they're missing in their life, and bam, they're devoted. Yeah. Like, 
It's almost like Stockholm syndrome in reverse, though. <laughs> like kind of like true. That, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So. I just don't under I don't understand how, like in Charles Manson's case, you can convince people to literally go and slice and torture and just brutally kill somebody and not even think twice about it. And, and when it's done, not even have any guilt and just feel like ah, that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. You know, it's and just- it, like with all the court hearings and stuff, like those women they were still just all about him they didn't care mm-hmm. that they were up for a murder trial they didn't care they just wanted to please him still and it i don't know it was just crazy yeah it's it's very it's very interesting how the mind works have you guys ever looked into the stanford experiment yes i have not i have and that that was interesting like i li- i had to listen to a podcast on it twice just to be like, did I really just understand that? And it was, it was, it was crazy. And I can see how that works. Like, like I said, I'm a nurse, but mental health, it's, oh, I could never work in anything with mental health just because it's too, too much. Like there's the brain. It's just crazy. It's just crazy yeah. what your brain can do. What if your brain is sick, how it can affect you. Oh, like it's, it's nuts. My when, grandmother was a paranoid schizophrenic and the things that she would talk about the stories that she would come up with mind boggling. And to her, it's, it's, it's true. You know, paranoid schizophrenic doesn't mean multiple personality disorder. It it's kind of like creating situations in your head and believing they're true. Yeah. Seeing people that aren't there and speaking to them um, entire scenarios, you know, like she would tell us, okay, she, she was not a dead, sexy 60 year old. Okay. Let me just preface by saying <laughs> to my mother and she was like Vicky our neighbor is peeking over the fence staring at me oh god and and it's like what I mean the neighbor boy's like 18 like I'm surely not like really he's not home very often you know it was it's like granny you can't smoke out back anymore like It's like uh, the brain, it's when your brain, when you have a sick brain, it's the only thing in your body that tells you you're okay. Yeah. And everything is normal. And and you're not. And you're not. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> so in case people out there haven't, uh, since I already know, Samantha, you know about it. And Amanda, you don't. The Stanford experiment happened in the 70s at, at Stanford, University of Stanford. And it was basically... A, uh, I can't remember how long it lasted. It wasn't very long. It was only like a week or something. But oh, wow. this, I think it was a, a psychologist that was a psychology teacher or something that decided he wanted to do an experiment. And he had students volunteer for a basically week-long experiment. They had no clue what it was going to be. And once the students signed up, he separated them and made half of them guards at a prison. And the other half as prisoners. And I then he just, you know, they were all equals, uh, but, you know, none of them had, you know, were anything other than what he told them they were. And he sectioned off part of the uh, laboratory to be, you know, s- rooms just like cells would be. And it, and over a period of time, these people that were listed as the quote unquote uh, guards, they started becoming power hungry and started really letting this power uh, go to their head. And they started doing stuff that that would have been illegal okay. if they really were guards. And then the prisoners actually started acting like prisoners and they ended up revolting. And but it was uh, it was a real unethical experiment to begin with. Yeah. But just the way that it just the way that it turned out showed that if you just plant something in somebody's head like these guards that you're in control and the guys that were prisoners, you're not in control. It's amazing how they fell into those categories and started behaving that way. They yeah. just fell right into their assigned roles. Yeah. That is, and that's kind of It's creepy. scary <laughs> that it was a week. I don't even think it was a week. I feel like it was like five or six days only. And it, like, these people were very traumatized. And it's like they were, it was weeks on end. And it was like really, really rough on Like, I know there was one that up and quit. But before he quit, he wasn't aware that he could quit. And yeah, it's like once, you know, he was like, oh, wait, I can quit. This isn't real. And I mean, it was, yeah, it was crazy. 
And you know, they did something, they did some similar testing like that up in Harvard. And one of the people that was involved in those testing ended up being the Unabomber, uh, Ted Kaczynski. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, it was the exact same thing, but it was it was some mental uh, uh, testing that was similar. That was, you know, almost almost like mental torture. But Ted Kaczynski was actually one of those people. Wow, well, that we I should cover that now. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you. Well, when we first started, I initially wanted to do like some of the school shootings, some of the big like tragedies. But then we like to kind of cut loose a little bit. And I just I don't know if we could. I wouldn't want to offend anybody. And so we haven't touched on those yet. <laughs> yeah, our, our sarcasm knows no bounds. <laughs> yes. Like usually we have to say, I'm so sorry. This was not okay to joke about, but we did. <laughs> exactly. And we will probably do it again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me, tell listeners how they can find your show. So to find our show, you can just go to our Facebook group. It's uh, Crime Phenomenon and Beyond group. Um, you can go to our Buzzsprout page under the same name, or you can go to Stitcher, Apple Music, um, Spotify, Pocket Cast. There's several on, we're on Instagram as well. So in every episode, you know, that we post out there on our pages and stuff, it has every link that, you know, we're available for you to go to that app, or you can just go to our Buzzsprout site. And listen like on there as well. Yeah, we try to make it easy, you mm-hmm. know, because it, I personally, if I have to hunt for something, I'm going to give up. I'm yeah. sorry. I just know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And when we were at Scarefest on our business cards on the back of it, there was our QR code that they could just scan and it take them right to our platform and give you the apps available to download. Awesome. Awesome. Ladies, it was fun meeting you the couple of times that we did. And uh, I think your show is very well done. I think it's it's got a lot of funny parts to it. It's it's very entertaining, to say the least. And I advise everybody listening to go subscribe today to Crime Phenomenon and Beyond. We'll put a link in the show notes uh, in case for some reason you forgot the, the name or something in the 20 seconds since I said it. And <laughs> I know I do, I do that. If you tell me your name. By the time we get through shaking hands, I've done forgotten it. So that's just, I'm, I'm just bad like that. But we're going to put some links up there. As we always tell you to do with newer shows, they're really just getting their feet wet. It's hard to get listeners in, in the, the podcast industry. Go subscribe, listen to them, and please leave them a review and, and tell them in a the review that you heard them on Hillbilly Horror Stories. Yes, yes. please. And thank you. Thank and any you. feedback is, is welcome. Yes, we like our feedback. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Sam and Amanda, for coming on and spending some time with us. Thank you for having us. See, I told you they were fun. Yeah. Amazing. Guys, give them a listen and check them out. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you all. Have a blessed week. We love you.